Okay, so remember as a kid, uh, maybe there is that special someone in your life uh, that, uh, that you knew in elementary. Uh, maybe you uh, sat next to them uh, during lunchtime and you shared a fruit roll-up. Uh, maybe, during, uh, maybe during recess, you uh, tried to be on the same kickball team together. Uh, Valentine's Day rolled around and, and um, you know, you really couldn't share your affection for her like in person so you maybe bought like a box of like Valentine's Day hearts, you know, that, that, showed, uh, that showed your affection. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you, maybe you even got the nerve to write her a note or him a note and, uh, and maybe even call them on the phone. That was like, you know, the next level, you know. And, and your parents thought it was really cute and, uh, and they say, oh, you know, that's cute, but, you know, it's just puppy love. And, and you told your parents, yeah, but it's real to this puppy. It's real to this puppy. I have a, uh, I have a uh, Donnie Osmond song stuck in my head right now for some reason. And they called it Puppy Love. Okay, if you're under 30, you have no clue who that is. So you can go on YouTube. Uh, you're not missing much if you don't know who that is, but uh, maybe some of you, you know, are fond of him. Uh, maybe as you got older, your, your relationship be- became more serious. And maybe you, maybe you even married this boy or girl uh, from elementary and, uh, you know, you said, you said, I do. And then maybe a few years later, uh, you, had a ch- you had a child together. You had a child and, and, and you experienced a love that you never experienced before, having a child. And, and maybe you're at the stage of your life right now where, where, you're, where you're grandparents and, and you have your grandchild sitting on your lap and, and maybe, you, maybe you mow the lawn with them. They sit on your lap and you, and you mow the lawn with them. And, and your love has become more deeper more mature. It's become seasoned. Well, tonight we're going to talk about mature love from a spiritual standpoint. Mature love from a spiritual standpoint. If you have a relationship with God, can it be described as puppy love? Is is it based on feelings and emotions, you know, and, and and it's up and down and and, and that can be, you know, in one day or an hour, you know. Or, or do you have a love that is, that is deep, that is deep. Um, what, about, what about your love for other people? I have a question for that. We all desire a deeper relationship with God, don't we? We all desire a deeper relationship. But how do we get there? How do we, got, how do we get there? And it's not as complicated as, as we make it sound. It's not as complicated as we make it sound. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, They will know that you are my disciples by your what? By your love. That's how they know you're you're my disciples. So we can ask the question, am I growing in my faith? And am I growing in my love? Because if I'm growing in my love, then I'm growing in my faith and vice versa. You You can't have one without the other. It is impossible, and notice I capitalize impossible, to grow in your faith without growing in your love. You can't do it. And when you love people, you are loving God. When you love people, you're loving God. You know the greatest commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the greatest command. It's the greatest command. 
We're going to take a look at Romans tonight, Romans 12 and 9 through 21. And uh, it's quite a bit here to read. It's on your handout. If you guys have that in front of you, everyone should have a, a copy in front of you there. Romans 12, 9 through 21. We're going to re- uh, read the New Living Translation. So let's, uh, let's read this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Are we excited about serving the Lord? Some of you are. Okay, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Hopefully by the end of the night, it's a little bit more excitement than that. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud or enjoy to, jo- to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Man, that is like a whole sermon series right in there. Uh, There's a lot in that. But in verse 10, he says, Paul says, Paul's writing to to the church in Rome. He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So our response in being loved by God should be to love others. That's what our response should be. And if we're not doing that, something's missing. And I think part of the problem is we struggle with really understanding how much God loves us. You know, if we're being honest, probably almost every single person in here struggles with that. And we're not really, like, we sing about it, you know, we talk about it, but do we really, really, truly believe that God loves you? Like, not only that he loves you, but he's crazy about you. Like, if he had a fridge, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, he'd have several pictures of you in there. Because when we don't believe that God loves us, how are we ever going to be able to extend that to others? You can't do it. You can't do it. And, and the more confident you are in how much God loves you, the more we're able to love people. So when you make it about others, you will always be blessed. 
you will always be blessed when you make it about others. You ever notice that some of the most miserable people are the most selfish? Don't look next to the person that's sitting next to you. But really, I mean, I see that all the time. I mean, some of the most miserable people are the most selfish. If you're in a funk right now, do something for someone else. Bless someone else and, and watch how that can turn around. When you just get the attention and the focus off yourself and just love somebody, man. It works every time. In, in, in the Greek, this verse says to outdo one another in love. To outdo one another in love. Think about it from a context of marriage. What if you were to do something for your spouse not to get anything in return? You just do it because you love them. Or this is without conditions. We do this all the time as spouses. Well, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And, and sometimes we, not, we don't necessarily say that, but it's just, it's just how we live, right? Um, I'm going to give you an example today. Uh, my, my wife doesn't always put the toilet paper roll when it's like really low. Like, I mean, sometimes she'll just leave a couple sheets on there. What can you do with a couple sheets? <laughs> you can't do anything, man. You know? I mean, you can use it, but you're going to be washing your hands quite a bit, you know? <laughs> and, uh, ew, okay. But, uh, so, so she does this a lot, and she did it today. And, um, and so what I've been doing is I've been putting extra toilet paper rolls. Wow, that was a lot. I've been putting a lot of extra toilet paper rolls in, in, the, in the bathroom, all right? So, so I, I, you know, doing the thing, and I got, I got, I got a sheet, one sheet, one not even two, okay? And there's a, there's a toilet paper roll behind me, okay? Because this happened before. I was tempted to use whatever I needed to do and put that toilet paper roll, that extra one, and put it in the closet. And I thought about it for one minute. No, actually, it was like 10 seconds. And then I realized I was preaching about love tonight. So I left it. So... You can thank me later. Um, but it's giving the same love we have received from Jesus. Giving the same love you have received. Now, I need to pause for a second here. Uh, man, this, I've really struggled with this message, and I don't know if it's because, like, I haven't preached in four months, so, you know, you kind of get out of that, you know, routine. Um, I, I just have, I was having the hardest time putting this message together. And, and I've been up past one o'clock the last three nights. And um, it's, it's, I'm kind of surprised how I'm, I'm, I'm functioning right now. But I've just been, I've been up late every single night working on this thing. And it just hasn't been coming together. And, and I'm like, God, like, what, you know, what's going on here? And is it just, is this just this topic that I'm, you know, that I'm not getting, that I'm not living myself? Is that why? Or, um, you know, and I just had so much material as well. And, and so I met with uh, uh, my, my mentor, uh, Mike Moss. Many of you know him. We went over to his house yesterday for breakfast. His wife made cinnamon rolls. It was awesome. Um, and and I, I read my message to him. And the first thing that he says is, 
Wow, that's a lot. So, uh, so then uh, I asked my wife, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I normally don't practice my sermon for my wife, but for some reason I just feel like I, I needed to do it. And so la- last night, like around 11.30 midnight, I'm practicing the sermon with her. And, um, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm done sharing it, and guess what she says? Wow, that's a lot. And even, even in the middle of while I was giving it, she said, she said, what's your point again? You know when someone says, what's your point? You need to work on it a little bit more. You need to refine it just a little bit more. And, and I, I, I love my wife, Sabrina. She is just truthful. She's honest with me. I mean, aren't you thankful that your spouses are honest with you? Really, I mean, and so, so she helped me so much last night. And uh, so you can thank, if, if this message is good, you can, you can thank Sabrina. If it's not, just blame it on me. And, uh, but I just really appreciate her and, and uh, just her love for me and her support for me. Uh, so um, to go with that, your handout here is a little bit jacked up because I made a lot of changes. And this was printed before last night, before I made all these changes. So if you're a little type A, a little OCD like me, you would have to be able to fill these blanks out before you go home. You know, or you just, like, you wouldn't be able to sleep tonight. You'd just be thinking about the blanks that you didn't fill that Pastor Jeremy didn't share. So, real quick, I'm going to just help you fill these blanks in, but we're not going to really cover that. And they're pretty self-explanatory. So, uh, Romans Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who who, who who have called for his purposes. Now, there is... There is purpose in your pain. There's purpose in the pain that you're going through right now. What does it say? He works all things. So every time you're experiencing something that's painful, God's working that out for good. Isn't that, isn't that reassuring? Okay? So, so, some people need to, need to just grasp that right now. And you've been going through so much right now. In all things, God works for the good. A praying Christian is a joyful Christian. A praying Christian is a joyful Christian. So are you not very joyful right now? How's your prayer life? And I bet that's tied into it. Now, man, we we all go through valleys. I understand that. Um, But life shouldn't be just one continual valley. Now, skip down to the next one. And it says, if you're not enjoying life, you're not enjoying life your relationships. If you're not enjoying your life, you're not enjoying your relationship with God, if you have one. And if you're not enjoying life, you're not enjoying the relationships God's given you. Sometimes we just need to chill out, man. Chill out. Actually, that was one of the, one of the t- sermon titles I had for tonight, but it didn't fit. So, uh, But just, just relax. It's, it's going to be okay. Okay? You know, quit having such unfair expectations on everybody. And, 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 and you, you know, there's things that, 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 that uh, irritate you about other people. Well, I guarantee you that's, that's probably the same thing that irritates uh, them about you. You know? Does that make sense? I think it did. If not, it's okay. Um, okay. So we filled, in all the, we filled in those blanks that we're not going to cover. So we're good. So we're good. In 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. 
pray that God will bless them. So not only is God asking you to pray for those who persecute you, those who, who are uh, angry against you, but he says, he, he asks you to ask God to bless them. That's crazy, dude. That's kooky talk. Like Jerry Seinfeld used to say, that's kooky talk. My wife, my wife said that wasn't going to be funny last night, and I said it anyway. So. <laughs> oh, I should have listened to her. She's like, that's not funny. That's not funny. Um, one pastor said, this is what Joseph meant in Genesis when he said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Our enemies humble us. They keep us on our knees. They reveal our weakness, and they expose our total need for God. Just as David needed King Saul to pursue him, to persecute him, and repeatedly attempt to kill him, we need the enemies God sends to us. If we didn't need them, he wouldn't send them. Some of you are like, Therefore, we thank God who knows best, and we love our enemies the best way we can. Often, God raises up an enemy to see if we really want to be like Jesus. Let me read that one again. Often, God raises up an enemy to see if we really want to be like Jesus. He will keep our enemies alive and well, as long as we need them. That's hard teaching right there, man. You know, it's easy to love people who are lovable. I mean, how hard is that to do? It's hard to love the unlovable, and it's impossible to love our enemies. So it's easy to love the unlovable. It's hard to love those who are unlovable, and it's impossible to love our enemies. You know, loving your enemies is not just like moving on and for, forgetting about them. It's, it's praying for them. It's asking that God would bless them. You can't do that on your own. You can't. God doesn't ask us to love others without first receiving his love. He doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to receive his love first. God doesn't ask you to live the Christian life without giving you the power to do it. He doesn't, he doesn't ask any single one of us to live the Christian life without giving us the power to do it, without giving us the Holy Spirit, God's very presence in our lives. That's an awesome thing. And so if you, if you just continue to just feel like you're failing in this area, you have to ask the, the, the question, you know, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I allowing him to take over my life? Am I allowing him to, to just take over my mind, my thoughts, my actions? In 16, Paul says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. You know, the word harmony implies a beautiful symphony. 
Now, I've never been to a symphony before. I, I did play band in junior high before I became a football player. <laughs> um, but the word harmony implies all these, all these musical instruments playing different notes coming together to form something that's beautiful. Man, that's this, that's, that's this right here. That's the bridge right here. That's, that's, that's the church as a whole. Don't be too proud. God hates pride. Hates it. With a capital H. And if you are prideful, he will take care of that. You can guarantee it. How do we treat people that are different from us? You know, do we just, do we just associate with people that, that are just like us? Or do we, you know, do we get out of our comfort zone a little bit and, and get to know people that, that are just different from us? All right, buckle up. It's going to get intense here. <clears throat> 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. All right. So not only is God asking us to pray for our enemies, and, 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 and then he says, ask me to bless your enemies. Now he's saying, fix them some barbecue and sweet tea. Come on, God. You know, I love the barbecue down here, but I also need some of that red, you know, that, that barbecue sauce as well, you know, because uh, I'm a Yankee. But, uh, but I have lived in the South for eight years now. Uh, I've lived, we've lived in North Carolina for four years, and we lived in Texas for four years. And uh, I got to tell you that every passing year, I like the tea a little bit sweeter and sweeter. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'll get to the point where I like, I need a toothbrush after I drink my tea or if I want to like, you know, if, if I'm looking forward to like going into like a diabetic shock after I have my tea, but uh, just, I'm from, from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but, uh, but we are called to be peacemakers. We are called to be peacemakers. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. So if you are a peacemaker, and not the opposite, you will be blessed. God promises that he will bless you. And that's who his children of God are. I'm amazed, I'm amazed at how many uh, friends God has blessed me with that can't stand each other. It's crazy, dude. Like, it's nuts. I mean, I, I, I cannot tell you how, time and time and time again, you know, like, like 
you know, I get together with lunch for this guy, and then I'll talk on the phone with this guy, and then, you know, and, and you know, have a great conversation. And like, man, I just can't stand that one, dude. You know, and I just had lunch with him, you know. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. But God is a God of justice. When, you know, whenever you were a little kid, um, uh, maybe you had siblings, and, and they picked on you, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe you're the younger sibling, I was the younger sibling, and, and maybe your older sibling did something to you, and, and what, would you say, what would you tell your sibling? Wait till dad finds out about this. Wait till dad finds out. I'm going to tell dad, you know, and, uh, and dad would come in, and he would take care of the problem, wouldn't he? And, and maybe there would be some discipline as well. Listen, your daddy already knows what you're going through. He already knows. And he's taking care of it. Maybe not the way that you want him to take care of it, but he's, 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 he's already taken care of it, or he's in the process of taking care of it. Are you going to trust him, or are you going to try to take it out in your own hands? And every time you take it in your own hands, you will regret it. You will regret it every time. If Jesus didn't say anything on the cross... Why do we feel like we need to always defend ourselves? If Jesus didn't say anything when he was being beaten and he was being whipped and he was hanging on a cross, he didn't try to defend himself. So why are we always trying to do it? Are you trying to fight the battle or are you going to let God fight the battle? And every time they fight the battle, you will get tired, you'll get frustrated, and, and you'll eventually be like, well, I'm just going to let God. And you should have done that in the first place. I mean, what did God do in the, in the midst of all that? He's hanging on a cross with two other guys. And one guy's mocking him, and one guy's repenting. And Jesus says, I will remember you in paradise. So even in his darkest hour, Jesus loves. What are you doing in your darkest hour? You say, Pastor, it's just not working, man. It's not working. I mean, I try to love this person, and it's just, you know, it's like a brick wall. When you're sick and you're on medication and something's not working, what does the doctor often tell you to do? Increase the dosage, right? So you need to increase the dosage, which is love. You can't do it on your own. It's impossible. God's what leads to repentance? God's, God's kindness. God's kindness and goodness leads to repentance. Paul experienced this himself. Paul hated Christians. He hated the church. He persecuted the church. And he's on the road to Damascus and he meets the risen Lord. And God says, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he experiences the kindness of God that leads to repentance and his life is never the same. How is your life? Is your life different now than before you knew the Lord? Or is it the same? 
I mean, just be, 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 be blunt right now. I mean, were you a jerk then, or are you still a jerk now? Because if that's the case, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. Your life should be different when you have Christ. Your life should be different when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. What about that person that, that, that you're thinking about right now? I, there, you know, there's, there's someone I'm sure that everyone, almost everyone in here is thinking about. Do you know that you have a part in that person maybe coming to the Lord? That, that God wants to show kindness through you so that person will finally come to their knees? or change their ways. Paul was preparing the church in Rome for what they were going to face. And they were going to face persecution and hatred like never before. And Paul wanted them to be ready and not respond like the rest of the world responds, but respond like Jesus responds to us. And God is preparing the church right now, because in the next 50 years, we are going to face persecution and hatred like never before. And you don't believe me? Just watch the news. The world hates us. The media hates us. And you better be ready. You better be ready. You better be ready to love. Better be ready to love. Someone said, uh, I, I came across this article, said, this week I ran acro across the words of Booker T. Washington, founder of the world-famous Tuskegee Institute. As a black man growing up in the segregated South, he knew more than his share about the hatred, prejudice, and unfair treatment. But as a Christian, he also knew that a man is not judged by what he goes through but by how he responds to it. He expressed his credo in one powerful sentence. I will not let any man make me lower myself by hating them. It is any wonder that we remember Booker T. Washington as one of the greater Americans this country has ever produced. You cannot always stop people from hating you, but you don't have to hate them back. You can't always make people love you, but you can always love them back. A man is not judged by what he goes through, but how he responds to it. And you cannot always stop people from hating you, but you don't have to hate them back. You can't always make people love you, but you can always love them back. He's saying, you know, Pastor, you just don't understand. You don't understand, you know, what I've been through. You don't understand um, what this person did to me. You don't, you don't understand the hell that I went through. You don't, you don't understand, you know, as a, as a child, you know, what, what, I, what I went through, what this person did to me. And, I, and, I, and what I want to say to you, genuinely want to say to you, is that I, I don't know what you've been through. You know, I wasn't there I can't, I can't understand it. I can't fathom it. And I'm not trying to uh, disregard that. And God, God isn't either. 
but God was right there in the midst when that was happening. And, and he wasn't just standing on the sidelines. He was experiencing what you were going through as well. We have a God that relates to us, that suffers with us. You can stop forgiving someone when they do more against you than you have done to Jesus. That's when you can stop forgiving someone. You can stop forgiving someone when they do more against you than you have done to Jesus. Well, looks like we can never stop forgiving someone, can we? Listen, man, Jesus knows everything about your life. He knows every sick and twisted thing you've ever thought about doing, have ever done. And here's the crazy thing, like the crazy love Francis Chan talks about. He continues to pursue you. Like, like no one knows everything about me and what I've done more than Jesus. And no one pursues me and loves me more than Jesus. What, like, that's jacked up, man. I mean, I, I can't understand. I can't fathom that with my mind and my heart. But I embrace it and I accept it, even though I'll never be able to understand it. Listen, Jesus loves your enemy just as much as he loves you. And, and, and God wants the best for your enemy, for that person that you can't stand, just as he wants the best for you. And maybe, maybe you just got out of a, you know, a really bad dating relationship, and, and, and you're, you're just bitter, and you know, you're torn up, and you, you cry, and you get angry. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're divorced, and, and, and your ex is just, I mean, you just, you just, you know, you, you just think about the word evil and you just see their face. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a family member right now that because of their poor, poor choices and poor decisions, time and time and time and time again, they have affected your family in such a negative way and they have affected your parents so much that, that there's just this grudge you hold against them. And, and maybe, maybe you don't necessarily consider them your enemy, but you don't have, you know, fond thoughts of them. You don't pray for them. You don't ask God to bless them. You don't sit down and share a meal together with them. Listen, he loves that person just as much as he loves you. And he wants the best for that person just as he much, much wants for you. And that's hard, man. That's hard. Because we want God, you know, to hate this person just like we hate them. That's not who he is. He's a God of love. And yeah, he's not pleased at some of the things that are happening, but but it doesn't make him stop pursuing that person. It doesn't make him stop pursuing you. 
know, we think we've arrived. You know, a lot of times we, God, I'm, I'm there. You know, I'm finally there. And then we realize we're not. Uh, my, my driveway kind of butts up with my neighbor's driveway. It's, it's probably about 10 feet apart. And, um, and he recently decided to power wash his driveway. Well, I mean, I didn't think anything was wrong with the driveways. You know, they, it's a driveway. You know, you drive on it. Well, after he power washed his driveway, guess how my driveway looked? Like garbage, man. It looked terrible. And, and since our driveways are so close, not only, dude, not only did he power wash it, but then he bleached it. Who bleaches a driveway? So what did I have to do this past week? I had to power wash my driveway because I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. And I, uh, I told my wife it was going to take me a couple hours. Twelve hours later <laughs> to power wash my driveway in the front of my house. And you know, I, don't know what, I don't know what it is with guys. We always underestimate. You know, I don't know. It's just like, I think it's from the curse or something. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, God often does that to us in our lives. You know, we think we're doing okay. And, and what we do is we compare ourselves to other people, which is never good. Because there's two things that happen when you compare. Either you get prideful or you get jealous. And, and what God wants you to look at is him, is, is his perfect love, not, not other people. We are leaving a legacy by how we live and how we love. Right now, no matter how, you, how old you are, because your legacy starts like early on. Your legacy doesn't start when you're like, you know, 70 and 80. I mean, if, if you're a teenager, you're, you're already leaving a legacy, starting to leave a legacy. But we are leaving a legacy by how we live and how we love. My family and I went to um, Ridgecrest uh, Christian uh, Retreat Center uh, in the mountains during the 4th of July weekend. It's about 20 miles east of, of Asheville and a beautiful place not too far from, uh, uh, from the Cove, the Billy Graham uh, Conference Center. And uh, we just had a great time. It was just, it was beautiful. It was just, uh, we're more mountain people than we are beach people. We like the beach, but we're more mountain. And um, we had a great time. And, and I, I encourage you to check uh, Ridgecrest out if, uh, if you ever want to head out there. And, um, and, and so we were walking, we were walking uh, on these paths and, and these little bridges, covered bridges. And we came across this plaque uh, that we saw. And uh, you probably... You have, probably have a little hard time reading it. Let me, let me read it to you. I don't, I don't even know who this guy is, okay? This is what the plaque says. T.W. Thomas Walter Wilson, born June 30th, 1918, died May 24th, 2001. Listen, listen to what this plaque says. Beloved husband, daddy, granddaddy, man of God, prayer warrior, preacher of the gospel, personal soul winner, faithful servant of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.28. How, how, how about that a plaque for you? Beloved husband, daddy, granddaddy, man of God, prayer warrior, preacher of the gospel, personal soul winner. Faithful servant of Jesus Christ. 
So what's your legacy going to be? What's your plaque going to say? Because it's going to have a name. It's going to have your name. It's going to have your date you're born. It's going to have the dash, what you lived for. And it's going to have a day you die. Is it going to say they kept a clean house? They posted a lot of pictures and good articles on Facebook and Twitter. They spend a lot of time at the office. They love to shop. Boy, did they love to shop. They love some people. They worked hard occasionally. They were always in a hurry. They prayed every so often. They talked a lot. Man, they were a talker. They complained a lot. They certainly wasn't the most patient person I knew. They held a lot of grudges. Listen, man, that dash in the middle is up to you. Are you letting circumstances in your life, are you letting relationships in your life stop you from selflessly, selflessly, not selfishly, caring for others and loving others? He goes on to say, He tells his students, the greatest thing in life is love. The greatest thing in life. And we are here because of love. That's what he tells his students. Tonight, you are here because of love. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know... I don't know how deep that valley is. I don't know uh, the, the pain that you feel and, um, and just the, the anger. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, Mr. Wright even talked about how pissed he was at God. How he had all these dreams and aspirations for his son. And then all of a sudden, those, those expectations just crumble. And that's not what reality is. Maybe you had some some expectations in your life right now and and they have just crumbled. But God is still there. And and, and maybe some of you have have, have fallen away from the Lord and, and tonight is your night to just embrace that love once again. Maybe maybe some of you have, have never embraced that love. You never have. And you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And I'm not going to sing this song. But you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And you continue to just get frustrated and, and the door slams in your face. Because you were never meant to find perfect love in imperfect people. Never. So I just want us to close our eyes right now. This is a very special moment. And God is at work right now. And not just some people, but in a lot of people in this room right now. And, and, and maybe, 
Maybe you're that person that's just saying, God, I, you know, I, I, I love you and I have a relationship with you, but I have not been loving. I have not been loving towards my spouse. I have not been loving towards my friends, my parents. And, and you're saying, God, I need your help because I can't do it on my own. You know, it is, it, is, it is impossible to grow in your faith without growing in your love. And maturity just doesn't happen. You have to be intentional. You have to learn and you have to live it out. Learning is good, but if you're not living it out, who cares? You need to stop relying on your own strength to love and start relying on God. And let's, let's have a mature love, a mature love that is contagious and that changes the world and that changes your family and changes your relationships.